1: Hello and welcome to episode number 187 of the Love Life Connection podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so excited to connect with you again this week. And you might have noticed that there's been a lot of up-leveling here at Veronica Grant HQ. I've got new music on my podcast. I've got new cover art. I've got new pictures on Instagram, a new website at veronicagrant.com. All of this visual up-leveling has been really fun, really exciting, a lot of work, and a little scary at times. But overall, a really, really good experience. And it's also challenged me to look inward and to see what else can I up level like what mediocre thoughts or limiting beliefs do I still have that I can now just release and let go and focus on believing new thoughts and having new beliefs so that I can take my business as a relationship and life coach to where I want it to be. So I've got some big things planned for you over the next year and I'm super excited and I can't wait to share them with you. But for now, I've got a little mini challenge for you and that is what is one thing that you can up-level in your life? Are you still holding on to an old, crappy, mediocre belief that you know is holding you back? Or is there something external that you need to uplevel in your life? Maybe you're sitting in your living room and there's clothes everywhere and papers and dirty dishes and you kind of feel anxious and a little bit embarrassed. You would never want to bring anyone back to your space or Maybe you're driving around in your car and it's more of like a trash mobile and it's a little stinky, but like whatever. So what is something that you can up level that will help you to feel like the woman you want to feel like? So let me know over on Instagram, send me a DM before and after pictures, or just tell me what thought you're going to let go of and what's the new thought you're going to replace it with. I'm Veronica E. Grant. I would love to know, and I do respond to all of my DMs, so I will not leave you hanging. So come let me know. Okay, so moving on to today's episode, we talk a lot on the show about how to do inner child work, especially in the realm if your parents made you feel like you weren't enough or if there was some sort of divorce or trauma or violence or death in your childhood. But what if your childhood was pretty good? And what if your parents actually had a great relationship and you actually kind of look up to them? What then, how does inner child work for you and does it still apply to you? And you might also be wondering, what the hell, Veronica, why am I still single? So this is exactly what Alice is wondering today, and I'm so grateful for her question. Now, I want to be super clear. We all have inner child wounding. We all at some point created a limiting belief around how we get love, safety, and belonging. No one is 100% healed or enlightened. And if you are, then that's news to me. So you can let me know, but it's not really, you know, as long as you're human and not God, we all have healing and we all have growing to do. And I explained why I didn't probe more into heavier topics with Alice after our coaching call. So make sure you listen to the end of the episode. So if you're a coach, you can kind of see how to work with your clients. And if you're just kind of trying to coach yourself and work through something, it might give you an idea of what to focus on instead. All right, let's get to it.
0: Hi, Alice. Welcome to the show. How can I help you today? Well, probably like a lot of listeners, I'm just wondering, why am I still single?
1: Yes, that is the question of the day. Okay. So tell me more. Tell me what your experience in your love life has been.
0: Well, I was with the same person and married for about 20 years. Okay. And we divorced. He divorced me about five years ago. And then I was uh, just kind of single for about a year and a half. I did get in into another relationship for about two years. And that ended a little while back. And prior to that, I haven't had a lot of boyfriends or relationships, probably about four or five before then. Okay. And yeah, I feel like I have a lot to give. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering why there's the same pattern that I've seen with the last two relationships. And, and what is that pattern? I think the pattern is, I know that that's kind of the buzzword of the day, narcissistic tendencies. But yes, they did have narcissistic tendencies. It became very toxic, both relationships. There was a lot of false accusations and blaming and controlling and things like that.
1: Yeah. Okay. Do you have people-pleasing tendencies?
0: Probably. I'm a counselor by trade as well. I'm a school counselor. Cool. Um, so I think I feel I'm very empathetic, or mm-hmm. empathic. but I think I'm also very, I think probably what's plays more into it is I'm very accepting. So even if people have faults, I'm very accepting of those faults and feel like I can work with them or work through them. But I let that cross over into my boundaries. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that's going to be the next question I ask. So what is your relationship like to your boundaries?
0: I feel like I have good boundaries, but I feel like they're probably too wide because I'm so accepting if that makes sense. So um, So you have good boundaries, but you don't. Well, maybe. (laughs) I mean, like there's
1: hardly or rarely ever like black and white answers in this work, as I'm sure you're familiar with, but it seems like you're accepting, which is, I think is a beautiful attribute. And I think that can be a part of you that makes you a really great lover and a really great partner to someone, but it's also like your biggest, I don't know, Achilles heel. And that's totally normal. Usually our greatest strength is our weakness. I don't like the word weakness, but you get what I'm saying.
0: So where did this come from? Probably my original family. You know, my parents are still together. They're going to celebrate their 54th wedding anniversary in a couple weeks. And they've always been highly supportive of each other, unconditional love, accepting of all people and, you know, accepting of all things in our life. So I think that's part of it, which again is a strength, but, you know, made me think that I should accept everybody maybe without without some parameters, I guess. I haven't really quite figured it out.
1: Okay. Okay. Got it. So when you look at your parents' marriage, do you feel like you're looking at your parents' marriage from, this is going to be, I'm going to ask it and then I'll probably have to give a caveat, but I'll just ask it. Do you feel like you're looking at your parents' marriage from your adult self or do you feel like you're looking at it from your inner child who kind of saw like her parents as perfect beings, perfect humans or not even really as humans, but just as like. You know, parents aren't humans until you're about twenty, right? <laughs> then you realize they're humans, right? So, from which angle do you feel like you're looking at your parents?
0: Probably mostly the inner child. I certainly idealize their relationship. That's what I thought I would have was this this long, beautiful relationship. I know they went through some struggles when they became empty nesters because I happened to witness some of that. So I know it's not perfect, but I know their commitment was always strong. And they were always, yeah, they're always willing to work things out and stay together.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the reason why I ask is because a lot of times our inner child can, and do you know what I mean when I say inner child? I think so. Great. Okay. So by inner child, I mean just like the, almost like the unconscious part of us, like the part of us that just created beliefs about ourselves, relationships, men, women, love, the world, whatever, you know, way before we can remember things, right? And so there's a really good chance that you're looking at your parents through the lens of your inner child, because, you know, you said something about unconditional love. And I hear that a lot in the relationship and dating space. And I think sometimes we have to pause and ask, is that really what you want?
0: Mm.
1: If someone cheats on you, does unconditional love apply? If someone's a jerk to you, does unconditional love apply? Right. I think what people mean is they mean acceptance, but not unconditional love. And so I wonder if there's some part of you that's kind of like registered, like this idea of like unconditional love is like the holy grail of relationships. Because maybe you see some version of that in your parents, but it's not really what's real. Does that make sense? Yeah. What comes up for you when I say that?
0: I think that's probably what I've struggled with the most is, yeah, I've The Holy Grail, like you said, that's what I want is, or that's what I thought was the Holy Grail is the unconditional love. So when people do things in relationship that are against the agreements that we've made, I guess, yeah. Do I try to work through those or do I leave the relationship? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Well, what do you think?
0: (laughs) Well, I think that, yeah, that's probably what's happened. Mm -hmm. So So what
1: prevents you from leaving relationships when You know, boundaries have been crossed, feelings have been hurt, things have turned toxic. Because you stayed with your husband for 20 years, is that what you said?
0: Yes, we were together for 20 years. And the last three were really bad. And there were children involved there.
1: Okay. So what do you think keeps you staying in relationships past their expiration date?
0: Yeah, I think it's probably that idealism of the unconditional, that you should be unconditionally accepting, unconditional loving. Maybe it's not that I feel like I'm religious, but certainly what you learn in church as a good Christian, you know, mm-hmm. the forgiveness and yeah. That's yeah. Amazing.
1: Okay. So let's break this down even a little bit more. How does holding on to this idea of unconditional love, this is what I want, like this ideal version of, you know, relationships or whatever, what you want, how does that keep you safe? How does it help you?
0: Yeah. It hasn't helped me. <laughs> well, no, it
1: has. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it.
0: <laughs> well, It's something that I I think it's an ideal I strive for. Mm -hmm. But then I have gotten walked on in relationships. Um, I have been cheated on. You know, I have, you know, those things have happened.
1: Uh Uh-huh. And does this show up in elsewhere in your life? Like this idea of just having either letting people cross your boundaries or having like ideal versions of something in your head? Does it happen elsewhere?
0: I don't think so. I'm an introvert. So I have a small circle of friends Mm -hmm. and I'm very... Yeah. It's interesting with my girlfriends, it's a very tight circle and I, you know, I don't have those same issues now.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Got it. Just curious. So what I'm trying to understand and I'm not sure we've gotten there. And so I just, that's why I keep probing and asking different questions. But what I'm trying to understand is why the attachment to the idealism, because if you didn't have this idealistic version of a relationship or vision of a relationship, what would you have?
0: Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the idealized version is: I think that I'm striving for enlightenment or personal growth. Okay. Challenging me, like these situations have challenged me to grow. Mm -hmm. And there's something there that I was trying to figure out if I could remain in a relationship and work through some issues with a person that maybe cheated on me, but we could. He wanted to work it out
1: as a means to heal, grow, reach enlightenment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How do you define all those things? Like what is enlightenment? What is enlightenment?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. The Dalai Lama, you know, is enlightened, you know, so I guess figures like that, you know, living a very accepting and loving life towards others.
1: Okay. Let's try something. I want mean, you to go ahead and close your eyes for me. Okay. And just take a couple breaths. And let me know when your mind kind of just, I know it's not going to hundred percent, but just let me know when it kind of settles down. A little bit. Just bring your attention to your breath and let me know when that happens.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think it's happened.
1: Okay. So just keep your attention on your breath. Obviously, other thoughts will pass by, and as they do, that's fine. Just let them float on by and then bring the attention back to your breath as soon as you realize. And just keep bringing your attention back to your breath. going to ask a question I do not want you to overthink this okay so if you find yourself overthinking start over bring your attention back to your breath quiet down first okay so the question is what feels true right now
0: that I try to please people
1: okay all right so you can open your eyes
0: Ta-da, that's enlightenment.
1: <laughs> There's nowhere to be. There's nowhere to go.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Being enlightened is just being like at one with whatever your truth is in that moment or in any moment. Okay. Like you can create your ideal relationship, the relationship that you want now, you can create it now. I know that feels weird. Like you don't need another partner to actually create that, mm-hmm. right? And that will actually help you manifest the partner that you want. But right now your relationships are like sitting on a pedestal and you're down here wanting to be up there. And so you're just trying to make anything work to get there. And it's compromising you. It's compromising your values. It's compromising your boundaries. And it's ultimately compromising your happiness. Right. Because you made a belief that what your parents have is perfect. And it is perfect in some ways, right? It's perfect for them, but it's not perfect. And it may or may not be perfect for you because you're not the same human as your parents. They're different. Mm -hmm. And so you can look at their relationship and admire it and, you know, learn from it, right? But you also have to just bring it down to earth and get it off the pedestal.
0: Right.
1: They're just two humans like any other two humans You know, trying to live life together. Mm -hmm. Like when you just really boil it down, (laughs) that's all it is. So what comes up for you as I say all this?
0: Well, that resonates. Because, yeah, I do idealize their length of time together and their commitment.
1: Hey women, I wanted to jump in here real quick to let you know that I've opened up the doors to the Love Incubator, which is my one-on-one coaching program with a small group element. I likely won't be running another Love Incubator for at least a year, so if you're desiring deep transformation with me in your love life in a one-on-one setting, this is your opportunity. The Love Incubator is a six-month journey and immersion for women who are ready to dig deep and to discover the art of finding love and a lasting equal partnership in their life. And the Love Incubator, you'll have one-on-one coaching calls with me each month, plus a group check-in call so we can assess your growth and you can connect with other like-minded women who are on the same path as you. No longer will you feel like you're alone or the only crazy one. There's so, so much healing and deeply knowing that. So if you're ready to dig deep, grow massively, and have me hold your hand throughout the process, head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash love incubator to learn more about the program and to schedule an incubator exploratory session with me so that together we can discover if the incubator is the right fit for you. There are only 10 spots available, so please do not delay or put this off even if you aren't 100% sure, but something in this is speaking to you, make sure you schedule that exploratory session, because you will have clarity one way or another by the end of our call. So again, to learn more and to schedule your incubator exploratory session, head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash love incubator. That's veronicagrant.com forward slash love incubator. Now back to the show. Okay, so here's the thing, like, how long have they been married?
0: Yeah, fifty over 50 years. Okay, and how old are you? I am 49.
1: Okay, so it's totally possible that you could still meet someone and be with them for over 50 years. Like, you could live over 100. Like, who knows, right? It's totally possible. However, you don't really have much control over it. Mm-hmm. I'm working with a client that put someone on a pedestal or is jealous or is envious or like how, whatever you want to call it. it, doesn't matter the word you want to call it. I want you to pull out some of the things in your parents' marriage that you admire. So what are some of the aspects of your parents' marriage that you admire?
0: They just seem to honor and respect each other.
1: Okay. So they honor and respect each other. What else?
0: They spend time together, but they also spend time apart.
1: Okay. What else? Uh,
0: they seem to be on the same page when it comes to where they've gone in life, I guess, as far as finances or some hobbies, but not always the same hobbies. They just support each other's other hobbies, too.
1: Okay, so they're supportive, and it sounds like they probably have good communication. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Anything else? No, they're very tolerant. <laughs> so they're tolerant of each other as well. So even What if do you mean supportive- by that? Yeah, I know that some things annoy them about each other, but they kind of like those quirkinesses about each other. Okay, so they they accept each other. Yeah, they're accepting. Okay,
1: I'm just writing these down because I'm going to say them out loud again. So they honor and respect each other. They have their own lives, I mean, together and apart. They're supportive of each other. They have good communication so they can get on the same page. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to point out just there. They didn't, most people, I mean, For the most part, they probably didn't like, they probably weren't born on the same page. They got on the same page by communication. So that's why I said communication. And then they're accepting. Mm -hmm. Okay. So before you can even think about trying to call someone in, we've got to look at how are you honoring and respecting yourself? How are you allowing yourself to have a life in your dating life and your relationships, but also a separate life? How are you being supportive of yourself? How's your communication in relationships? And are you accepting of others, but also accepting of yourself? Mm -hmm. And what I'm getting at is if you're letting relationships go too long, you are putting up with toxic relationships, um, attracting people with narcissistic tendencies, then you probably have some room for improvement there. (laughs) Do you agree? (laughs) What stuck out for you the most?
0: Those are like five or six things to work on.
1: <laughs> but is there something that like, really just like, oh yeah, I don't do that at all.
0: I think I'm learning to do that. So to honor myself and take care of myself. I think I communicate well, but you know, I think that that's been a, also a criticism of the others, but I think, I think I bluntly communicate. Well, I mean,
1: you know, if you've been with people who have narcissistic tendencies, there's a good chance they're kind of manipulative. And so you can't really trust if they say you don't communicate well, because it could be part of the manipulation that they're saying that. I mean, I don't really know that for sure, but that could be something that's going on. However, what I do know is that, you know, if you're allowing relationships to go on longer than they ought to be, then that's a sign of, I mean, basically a sign of self-acceptance and self-respect. But also I want to talk about like how you attract these people because yes, it's like one thing to be in the relationship and then to say, oh, okay, I'm going to, you know, oh, and what I mean by, commun- I was going to say something earlier and I remember what it is, is, you know, communication has a,
0: <laughs>
1: communication is okay. Communication has a second part to it. There's the asking for the need, which my guess is that you probably do, Right if you say you can communicate, but then the other part is actually kind of not to sound like harsh, but like basically enforcing it. Right. Okay. Does that make sense? And so if you're saying like, oh, I need this, but then the person's not giving you this, and then you kind of let it slide, eventually you're going to get pissed and you're going to be blunt or angry or whatever. And then that's where... Everything can spiral. I'm not saying that's your fault. It's a two-way street. Relationships are always two-way streets, but you can only be in charge of your side of the street. And so that's what you know, obviously we're talking about here. And so I just want to point out that there could be some improvement around communication if we also talk about it in the terms of how you actually enforce the thing that you know you're asking Mm -hmm. for. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, great. Why do you think you attract these people?
0: I don't know exactly. I think I'm, I think it goes back to being accepting, you know. When you're with these
1: people, does it feel like that fireworks got to have you right now? Was sex really good? Like all of those things?
0: Yeah, some of that, but no, certainly not towards the end. Right, right, not the end, but the beginning. Yeah. The beginning, I wouldn't even say that either. It just kind okay. of it would grow, the relationship would grow and that would become a very attractive part of it, sure.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. But how soon into the relationship does it start to turn toxic? Mm. Or let me ask you another way. How soon into the relationship do you start to kind of give in and be overly accepting?
0: I would probably say probably pretty soon, six months, a year, something like that. I don't know if that's soon or not, but...
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, some people would say yes. Some people would say, like, I can't even get to six months or a year. So it's all relative, right? Yeah. Okay. No, I'm just curious because I want to get into a little bit more about why you're attracting these people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Do you consider yourself some sort of like, I mean, you talked a little about people facing, but like, do you have like a fixer or like, do you like to help people? I mean, obviously you do. You're a school counselor.
0: Yeah. I mean, there is some of that. But I think a lot of it is, yeah, I'm just willing to work with people with where they're at. hmm. So that goes back to
1: acceptance. Mm -hmm. And that's why you're a school counselor. So that's, it sounds like a divine appointment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So here's what I want you to think about. Like, I want you to think about, you know, like I said, at the beginning of the call, usually our greatest strength, our greatest attribute about ourselves are also like our biggest Achilles heels. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want you to feel like, oh, I just can't be accepting of people or blah, blah, blah. But acceptance is like all around. I mean, and I don't mean like love is all around, like not that, but I mean like acceptance is, it goes in every direction. So I want you to date and I want you to be accepting of people. Cause I think that's really important. I think honestly it's needed in the dating world. I think too many people are judgy, you know, based on like, Oh, this person does that, or this person looks like this or whatever. So I think that's actually, to me, it sounds like a breath of fresh air when you're dating. The problem is when then you stop accepting yourself. Mm And so that's really where the balance lies because maybe you are more accepting of people than others. And so maybe there are things that, not that you have to put up with, I don't like that word, but maybe there are some things that don't really bother you about people that might bother other people. And I think that's, again, like a great attribute, a beautiful attribute that I think you could actually lead from, but there has to be a line of when, okay, this is no longer accepting to me.
0: Right. And usually I can feel that in my body, but then I ignore it. Okay. Why do you ignore it?
1: What's the fear?
0: I think I go too much into my head and I over, I like. Well, I know over. you go into your head, but what's the fear? Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, certainly maybe to be alone or I'm getting too old or some of those things.
1: Yeah. But I think the fear is deeper than that. Maybe. I think it's a deep rooted fear. Why is being alone so like, what is so scary about that?
0: You know what? I don't. I don't, I'm not afraid to be alone because I think I've been alone most of my life, mm-hmm. but maybe that I'm not attractive enough or I can't attract any other people. So just take what you can, uh, I hate to say take what you can get because I really don't feel that way, but there's something there.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you have like a story around it that means that like you're not accepted or you don't be successful if you're not in a relationship?
0: No, I don't think so. Cause most, you know, as I said, I, that was never an important part of my life like in high school or, you know, college, I didn't pursue relationships. I pursued athletics or academics. I just Mm kind of always thought a relationship would happen.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, do you think the fear relates back down to like this pedestal that you've put your parents' marriage on?
0: Yeah, it could be. Yeah. It's gotta be perfect. Maybe.
1: Okay. I mean, I'll give you some ideas, but I just want to see what resonates most with you. How do you think you can take your parents off their pedestal? (laughs)
0: Nah, <laughs> that's going to be hard. Cause I, yeah, I have so much honor and respect for them. So uh, okay, I, it can be both though. It doesn't
1: have to be like, Oh, I'm taking my parents off my pedestal and then now I'm not going to honor and respect them.
0: Right. Yeah. I think it's just maybe not comparing, not comparing that's their relationship and I'll have my relationship.
1: Well, I think there's, you know, probably some more tangible things that you can do. Okay, good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So first is,
1: you know, when you listen back to this episode, I want you to write down those things that you really admire in your parents. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so their honor and respect, they have their own lives, supportive communication, they have good communication and are accepting. And so I want you to start doing those things or making yourself feel those ways and doing those things for yourself, Mm -hmm. ideally every single day. So communication is like checking in with yourself, mantras, affirmations, journaling. Supportive is like, how do you talk to yourself? So stopping the shit talking and starting to talk nice and really connecting with that inner little girl who has some fear. We do not really talk about inner child, but I think there's probably some fear there. Mm -hmm. Having their own life. I mean, that's a little bit more, I think you can see that a little bit easier. It's like not spending all your time with dating or in a relationship if you're in one. What does it mean to honor and Respect yourself. Like, what does that actually look like? So sometimes it might mean saying no. Sometimes it might mean saying, you know, I really need to do this thing instead of that thing or getting out of a relationship. But even if you're not in a relationship, it can mean honoring your commitments to yourself. Like I'm committing to getting up every day and meditating, you know, and like doing that. So you know, I, that's what I would put with honor and respect. And I think accepting yourself is, you know, can very much be in the same vein as that. I also think of accepting ourselves as just also just being sovereign, like sovereignty with ourself, like, like not letting other people's power take our power away. Basically just not letting boundaries be crossed is essentially what I think that what that means. So those are some of the things that I would work on. And then in terms of your parents, do you have a close relationship with your parents?
0: I would say so, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever talked to your parents about their relationship or their marriage?
0: Not in years, like 20 years.
1: <laughs> Is something you're open to? Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe talking to your parents about their relationship and, you know, whether it's your mom or your dad or both, depending on who you feel more comfortable, you know, doesn't really matter. But I think if you can have a relationship with your parents and just kind of talk to them, like, What did you learn? What would you have done different? Or what were your mistakes? Asking those kind of questions, I think can help you begin to see your inner child or help you see your parents as like two imperfect humans in an imperfect marriage. Yeah. I think that could be really powerful. And then when you're dating and you're meeting people, You know, you can make yourself feel these ways. You can make yourself feel honored and respected and accepting and supportive and good communication and all that kind of stuff. And the second someone doesn't make you feel that way, that's a red flag. Mm -hmm. I mean, it can just be a conversation and then someone can like snap into into gear, whatever. But if it's like shutting you down or they're not responsive or they're not actually changing their behaviors or whatever, then that's like a red flag because, you know, you're trying to accept people for you know, whatever they'll give you, but if you can instead can just be like, no, this is how I feel. This is how my parents felt in their relationship. And these are the parts of, not that you want to be like your parents, but this is the part of their relationship that I really honor and that I really love and admire. And then you embody those for yourself because you can create all these things for yourself. You don't need a partner to do that. Then it becomes so much easier to just be like, yes, no, yes, no, or swipe left, right, left, right, right? Because like, otherwise it's like, I don't know, like he seems good on paper and maybe we can fix this. No, no. It's like your intuition, which is basically the place where your feelings lie. Like that doesn't lie. Your head will play tricks on you. Your head can have you one day being like, yep, this guy is the right person. And then the other day, nope, no way. Right. Right. Is this helpful? Yes. Great. 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 You have some... Yeah, my pleasure. And you have some, do you feel like you're solid with the action steps to take?
0: Yes, yeah, for sure. And I will listen back and yeah, write them down.
1: Yeah, well, thank you so much for being on the show.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you so much to
1: Alice for coming onto the show and for your willingness to be so vulnerable and asking your question and to open up with us. And I'm so grateful for you bringing this topic into conversation on the podcast. So thank you, thank you. Okay, so let's start with the pedestal. Now, you can put all kinds of people on the pedestal. You can put your parents on the pedestal. You can put your exes on the pedestal. You can put old relationships on the pedestal. You can even put coaches and mentors and teachers all on the pedestal. Now, Putting people on the pedestal is not really a great idea because it hurts them and it hurts you. If you're comparing someone to basically this level of perfection and then they make a mistake, you actually end up judging them a little extra hard or you give them a little harder time than maybe they actually deserve. And that's not really fair for them. The idea is like they're on a pedestal and then you just knocked them off because they made one tiny mistake or one tiny thing, whatever. But now they've got to fall all the way down to the ground from the pedestal and it honestly ends up hurting them a lot more than if you just kept them on level playing field. Now, on the other hand, you can put someone on a pedestal. And again, you're seeing them as this idealized perfectionist version of whatever love or relationships are to you. And now you're around dating or you're meeting people and you're comparing every single person to that relationship, or you're comparing all your relationships to that relationship or to those people on the pedestal. And that's not fair to you because you're comparing yourself against something that doesn't really exist because you're looking at those people on the pedestal through rose colored glasses. So you'll notice that in our conversation with Alice, we discovered that she has attracted men with narcissistic behavior. And I didn't probe her too much on the people pleasing. Now, if you've been listening to this show a lot, you know that people pleasers and narcissists go together like Oreos and peanut butter, which if you've never tried that combination, you definitely should. It's delicious. Now, obviously, if I'd have more time with her, I would want to probe more there into the people pleasing and understand where that behavior came from. So that we can heal it so that we can shift it in the future. Now, which means I would want to know more about her childhood and her marriage and the relationship she had after her marriage. But I felt like the lowest hanging fruit was the pedestal piece and idealizing her parents marriage. So whether you're also a coach or dedicated to your own healing, sometimes you have to make calls on where to take a client. It's a dance, an intuitive dance at that, and so in the moment, I didn't think we would get anywhere with just talking about the people-pleasing until we untangled the pedestal piece. Now, if we were working together, I'd want to know what she learned from her parents' conversation that she's going to have, because that could give insight into where the people-pleasing began. Maybe she thought her parents could do no wrong and she wanted to please them to a fault. I really don't know. But as long as her parents' marriage stayed on a pedestal, I don't think it was really possible for us to get to a place where she could see where there were times in her childhood she didn't get the love, safety, and belonging that she needed. Does that make her parents wrong? No. Does it make them bad parents? No. Does it make their relationship crap? definitely not. But until we can untangle that belief, it was really going to be hard to get to the deeper stuff going on. So that's why I did what I did. And if you're having a hard time really connecting back with your inner child or seeing what might have happened in your childhood and relating that to your current day experiences, it might be really helpful to see if there is a belief that is blocking you from getting to that place. And that is really common if you feel like your parents had a good marriage or you had a good childhood, can you look at some times in your life where you have experienced some emotional trauma or some emotional pain that doesn't negate all of the good things in your childhood or in your parents or in your family, but might have led to some limiting beliefs. So let me know what you think. Come on over to the show notes page. Leave me a comment over at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast, or come over to Instagram and let me know what you think. I'm at Veronica E. Grant, and I will see you next week for a brand new solo episode of the Love Life Connection. Thanks for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. remember... remember this, wherever you are is exactly where you need to be. You aren't broken. You don't need to be fixed. And even if you've never had the relationship you want before, it doesn't mean you can't have it now.
0: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.